Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey guys, I'm Dana Balut. And I'm Hiva Fisher. And this is An Empire. very, very foreign to Arab culture to talk about personal things publicly. 12 years before that, I was under the bombs of Beirut. I didn't go to therapy. I think I should. This is an empire. Stories of exceptional Arabs around the world and their journey to the top. Today, we're sitting down with the amazing actress Dina Shahabi. She acted in the TV series Jack Ryan on Amazon. She's in Hulu's comedy series Rami and in the second season of Netflix sci-fi show Altered Carbon. She is Saudi, Palestinian, Norwegian, German, and Haitian. And we were also friends in high school. Dana, you went to a high school with a lot of famous people. Which high school did you go to? <laughs> it's actually... Uh, yeah, it's true. I think a lot of people ended up doing good things in their life. Um, I went to the American Community School in Beirut my whole life, from first grade to 12th grade. Um, so, you know what's amazing is that Dina and I ended up living less than 10 minutes away from each other in L.A., and I hadn't seen her gorgeous face in over a decade, so I was super excited. She came over to my apartment one afternoon, a day after she had just been nominated for a Critics' Choice Award in the category of Best Supporting Actress in a Drama Series for Jack Ryan. And this is a big deal, so I'm really excited I got to share in the celebration with her. Some of what you'll hear is us referring to that show, so if you haven't seen it, I recommend you go watch it. So, here we go. Okay. Tell me what you had for breakfast. I'm, oh my God, I'm going to sound like such an annoying actor right now. Do it. Is it avocado toast? No, I wish. Actually, it's my favorite thing. Um, No, I'm doing this cleanse that I started today. Okay. um, From Owl and Venice, Mm -hmm. O-W-L. And I had bone broth. No, stop, Dina. I know. And then I had like a matcha green situation after. I know. By the way, I was like vegan for like a couple of years, like just over like two years probably, um, until recently because I was like crazy iron deficient. So anyway, so that's why I had bone broth. So it's not just for vanity. It's for like my... For your anemia. Anemia. So tell me first, Dina. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so happy to look at you. So okay. Tell me uh, about where you were born and what your childhood was like. 
I was born in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. My childhood was, I mean, pretty normal. I, because we're in Riyadh, we spent a lot of time indoors and like at people's houses and in each other's gardens. And um, I really grew up like loving football, soccer. And I remember being like taken from the football field because at one point girls couldn't play sports in school. And so, and like taken to a ballet class and I was like so pissed off about it, which is so funny because years later, like dance was my favorite thing. But when I was first taken to it at that age and I like quit as soon as I could, I was very upset about it. I didn't like it. What were you like as a child? If your, let's say mother were to describe you, what would she say? She would say that I daydreamed a lot. I just spent a lot of time like staring out (laughs) in thought. I was relatively quiet. I wasn't like hugely, um, I remember being shy and like hiding in the bathroom when I was really young at school. I just, I would get overwhelmed when there was like a lot of people, which is so weird for me to think about because the older I got, the more social I became. And I feel like I really am a social creature in so many ways. When did you start um, getting into the creatives, like dancing or? acting? Well, I went to my first ballet class when I was six or seven, and I stayed in ballet reluctantly. I tried to quit so many times, but my mother had this fear that I would blame her, that I would regret quitting and then blame her later in life, which is what happened, because (laughs) I finally, when I was like 11 or 12, I was really into tennis, and I just wanted to play tennis all day and play football all day. But ballet just felt so lame to me, and I just really didn't appreciate it. And I did, like, um, very traditional ballet and had to do the exams and all that stuff, and I just found it just so boring. So I finally quit when I was in fourth grade. And then when I was in... It must have been seventh grade or sixth grade. I got taken to a dance class, this woman, Sharmila Kamte, in Dubai, And I walked in, and within five minutes, I remember thinking, I'm going to become a dancer. It was so quick. And this is, I've, like, hadn't hadn't danced in a few years. There was something about walking to that classroom, the dance teacher. It felt like some sort of fate or magic had brought me there. And I went home that night, and I practiced, and I practiced every day in my room for hours. I was obsessed, and I did not miss a class, I think unless I was like deathly ill. And even like when I was injured, I would go and sit and watch class. Like that's how dedicated I was. I would only leave town when she was on holiday. Like I was obsessed, like I never missed. I would skip school to take her extra classes in the morning. That, it was immediate, like an immediate moment. I remember that night after that first dance class, I went into my parents' room and said that I was gonna become a professional dancer. And my dad was like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> um, and my mom s- says that she said, I know my daughter. Like, this is real. And it was so real. Within a year, I was dancing. I was really bad when I started to. Um, and then when it, within a year, I was dancing professionally with her. And that was when I was, like, just right, right before I turned 13. And then I danced with her until I graduated from high school. And then... That's how I got into the arts. And then acting was just something that in high school was like the only thing I found 
enjoyable in school, like that and like English and psychology and math, like everything else was boring to me. I want to talk about your dance teacher and dance in general. And I want to know what it was for you and what it meant to you and what are the things that she taught you that you carry with you? Everything. I really believe that I am the person I am and the artist I am because of how she not only trained me as a dancer, but as an, in, an individual. She held a really high standard of commitment and, high, and, and hard work and a daily showing up and committing. I can't not do something every day. That's really not like I can't go one day with, without writing or thinking about acting or doing something for it. And that really is, I think, when you're trained as a dancer, you can't skip a day of dance. It's just impossible. And she really pushed us. And I was so validated by how hard I worked and how committed I was. And so that's just the only way I know how to work. And also, I just think dance, I think if everyone can grow up dancing, it's the best gift you can give to your child because that connection to your body, especially growing up in Dubai where, you know, our culture isn't very comfortable with female sexuality and female, like, like the female body and connection to that and owning that and having a command of that and a sensuality. Um, even though when you look back, like that's so naturally part of our tradition. And so for that to have like been lost, that connection is I think really detrimental to our culture. And so to grow up with like, <laughs> you know, being able to like move and dance like hip hop and like move my body in a way that if I hadn't done that, I would have been ashamed of, I think really gave me an ability to own that part of me, like, and not have shame when it comes to, like, sex and sensuality and those decisions and being an artist. I really think it's given me a freedom that I otherwise wouldn't have had. What was it like both in your family and then in society when you would say, I'm a dancer or I'm an actress or this is actually what I want to be and spend my time doing? Yeah, it was, it took a second for my dad to get around it, um, my older brother has never seen me dance. He, it, that was, it was really hard for him, which I really think, and he's so proud of me now. He was here and he was there at my premiere. He's been so supportive of me and an ama amazing, like he came to visit me on set and was just like the most proud ever. But growing up, that pressure on like older brothers to like control your sisters is so real and so intense it's almost like I can't even blame him for it because like if you don't hold that standard with your sister and like beat up guys she talks to or like you know don't call her a slut if she's you know dancing and dressing in a certain way then you're not a man that's really like being a man is measured from like how much you control your sister it's this really toxic thing that we do with men. And so then they're not able to actually experience their sensitivity and their sensuality and their connection to women. And so it was really hard for him. And I'm sure it was hard with his friend group. And you know what I mean? Because of the way people would probably talk about me. And I would hear, um, and, you know, my parents have told me, like, since then of, like, things that my parents' friends would say to them. And, like, my, you know, my dad would have friends approach and be like, you can't let your daughter do that. And in the beginning, my dad wasn't crazy about it. I, um, I remember getting a national commercial 
for Nivea when I was first starting out as a dancer. And it was this huge thing. It would have been so cool. And my dad said, no, he was like, absolutely not. Do I want my daughter's face like around Dubai? And it's so funny now because like my face is (laughs) all over the world. Um, But, um, and, but it, but I get that because it's not just him. It's the culture is so loud around you and people are not shy to tell you what they think. And they're really, and it's, he's, he was protecting me and, um, he kind of needed to because people to my face, like anytime I would tell someone I was a dancer, um, their first reaction would be like, what? Like, what? Why? That's so weird. And then they would just assume I was really stupid. And they would be like, well, you're just pretty and stupid. So like, what else are you going to do? You know, and no one took it seriously until they would see me dance. And really, the minute people saw me dance, all of those judgments went away. And so I learned really quickly that until people see you walk the walk or see you do what you do, and if you do it well, and you do it with like, so much love like that's infectious people can't argue with that even if they don't completely agree with it but I was like oh if only I could do that and then the more and more I did it the more it just like opened doors and it was like it just like the series of everything happening of New York and then the teachers I met and then I got into Juilliard and I got into NYU's grad acting program without it bachelor's degree like all these crazy things happened that were just like like beacons of light as like you're going in the right direction and so I just kept going and now I'm here but yeah it, it and now looking back it feels like everything happened for a reason and it kind of feels like acting chose me like it kind of felt like I needed because I hated my voice. That was a huge part of why I never thought I'd be an actor. I was made fun of. I made fun for my voice a lot growing up. Why? Because it was really, really high-pitched. I don't know if you remember that. Um, and I have a weird voice. Like, that's something that now I just know about myself and accept. But it's always – I think about it every time I meet someone. I'm like, they're going to hear my voice. Like – even now, when I was driving to you and you called me, I was like, my voice. It's like a weird thing I have. I know. It's so strange. Um, and I just was like, I have the weirdest voice. Like, I'll never become an actor. And so dance for me was a way to express myself without using my voice. And then something, like, because of a series of events, I suddenly was, like, kind of forced into situations where I'd have to act more. What was your first acting audition like? My first acting audition for a professional job? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember auditioning for a pilot that was actually about a girl who was also a dancer. And I, like, got relatively far um, and then choked when I was, like, in my call back or whatever because I was just like I get stage fright and now I I like have a better handle on myself and like know how to work with it um but back then like if I would get really nervous like I would just like freeze um and I remember like freezing and kind of just like not I remember like going to my last audition and you had to do a scene 
which I did well in, and then you had to like dance. And I remember my first dance audition was in a huge room, and then suddenly I was like in a tiny audition room, and I don't think I was told that it was going to be small. And so I prepared this whole routine where I was dancing all around the room, and then I was suddenly in this like tiny box, and I just like my brain just couldn't work fast enough to like figure out what the hell to do. So I remember just standing there and like moving my arms, like flailing my arms around, which was like not my best. Like I would I was an amazing dancer and like literally I must have looked like I'd never danced in my life because I just didn't move my body and just flailed my arms around and I remember it's funny because years later I've been I've auditioned for that woman a lot and she likes me but I've never told her like you know I had this once experience one experience with you and I've never spoke like spoken to her about it and I kind of want to and be like do you remember that I but it's because that that was when I was like 19 or something or whatever and then years later when I was like 25 like I walked back in to audition with her and I don't think she would have put two and two together so um I want to get to Jack Ryan is it your biggest gig yet yes 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 yeah um I watched it all and I loved it but I want to talk about how that even happened uh did your agent call you and tell you there was this role and how did you audition what was it like until the moment that you found out that you got the role um it still makes me smile when i think about it all because i before i got the job i was like working sort of um i was 2 years out of school i had done like a few things um but it didn't really feel like i was go- going anywhere and I was really scared. And so I started writing and I was applying to AFI's uh, writing pro- like film program um, because I thought, you know, like I can't like I can't, you know, wait around for something to happen. I'm going to make this happen. And um, and then I remember I got sent actually a play that I fell in love with and um, they were auditioning for it in New York. I was, I just moved to LA four months before. And so I fly myself out and I, on the plane, get an email from my agent with the Jack Ryan audition. Um, And I remember reading the description and having this feeling in my stomach, like, I know, like I knew the woman, like I knew that character. I just knew her. And I remember it was like 20 pages, the audition for the play. And so I wanted to like wake up and um, be really focused on the play and know the words and be really in like emotional state and whatever. And I was like, I haven't read this script yet. And and so I kind of like looked over it and I was like, you know what? I understand. I like understood the scenes and we did one take of the scenes. And so I taped them. And the next morning my agent emailed and she was like, these are amazing. And then I didn't hear anything. I didn't get that play that I flew to New York for. I didn't even get a call back. Like, um, and so I remember leaving New York and being like, neither one's going to happen. And so I go back to LA and I remember asking my um, manager, I was like, what happened with Jack Ryan? Like, I just had this weird feeling about it. And my agent emailed back being like, they, um, the cast director says that you might be too young for it or something. She's waiting to hear from everyone. Three months later, I get a call. So for three months, I don't hear anything. So I'm like, I didn't get it. Three months later, I get a call saying that they want to see me for a test um, on Monday. And it's between me and two other girls. And then I go in for that test. And there was one extra scene. And it was in the room with, like, the producers. We just, we did it. And I left. And I remember emailing my agents. And I was like, that's the best audition I've ever done in my life. Like, 
um, if I don't get this, like I'm quitting basically. Um, and then we didn't hear for two weeks, but we, every day we heard we're waiting on approval, waiting on approval. We're auditioning people in London, like this whole thing. And then when I got the part, I found out that I had, like they wanted, I was the choice for that part from that first tape in New York months before. I remind myself that a, a lot because there are so many jobs that I've even auditioned for since then that I've desperately wanted and I haven't gotten. Um, but when it's yours, it's yours. I wanted to talk about Jack Ryan, the, the storyline, and I'm sure you thought of this when, when you read the script, is like, it's cliche on so many levels, like oh, yeah. Arabs being terrorists, yeah. you know? But how did you, like, especially as an Arab and someone that knows that some, you know, you don't want to perpetuate stereotypes. Yeah. Um, but you read the script and then what do you think and what made you also fall in love with this kind of role? Well, I... I'm very wary of things that are terrorist plots because I have no interest in continuing to build on the fear people have of Arabs. It's just, it's actually really dangerous. Um, they say that um, TV shows have had more of an effect on American fear of Arabs than anything else. And so that's something that I, like, keep, keeps me up at night, you know, and something that I'm very sensitive towards. Like, the first thing I did when I sat down with my new agents, I was like, I don't want to tell stories that are, you know, one-sided and really um, dangerous in that way. And they were like, absolutely. And I don't think that this was, I mean, yes, it's a story, it's a terrorist storyline and it does end with like the white man saving the day. Um, But that is the point of view of the story. It's called Jack Ryan. So Jack Ryan's going to save the day. So if you're coming into it and you're like, no, but the Arabs should win. Like, it's just not, that's just not the story I was, that I signed up for. Um, and that's fine. There's a place for that. You know what I mean? Um, but what was special about the story and what was really important to the creators was that the Arab side wasn't these like evil mustache twirling female victim characters, archetypes, that it was real people and that you really got to see why they became who they were. And what sparked me knowing that was reading the pilot and it's starting out in Lebanon and it's starting out with these kids and seeing this family and just people living their life and seeing their whole world destroyed at such a young age. And so you're grown up with this trauma and that's such a reality. And that is something that we don't talk about, that when people do decide to, you know, make their life's mission to like make the decisions like Ali's, like Ali Slayman's character doesn't the thing it's it doesn't come out of nowhere it's because of years and years and years of oppression and tragedy and trauma and suffering and that's important because it's important for the world to know that we all have a responsibility and we are all responsible for the things that happen around the world they don't just like happen in a vacuum um so that telling that story was important and interesting to me. And I thought like, oh, wow, we haven't done this yet. And that is actually saying something. And especially as like the track of his character in Paris and seeing how you're ostracized in that community for being Arab, that's such a real thing that happens today. Um, like when people are surprised when things happen in Paris, I'm like, have you not ever paid attention to actually how people are treated? And it's just, it's a result. Like things happen because of something. And it doesn't excuse those things. You'd hope that people make better decisions. And usually, you know, I, you'd hope that people do. But 
it's you can really see like why certain things exist. And then with Hanin, the character I played, she's a, she's a hero and she's the heart of the show and you never you very rarely see women in roles like that on TV, let alone Arab Muslim women. And so to me, I thought that was incredible and I felt a lot of pressure. I didn't sleep much shooting this show. I was really like nervous the whole time because I felt like one I had to learn a completely new dialect which Arabs hold no prisoners when it comes to that because like we're so judgmental of each other and so that's something that I was very 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 conscious of and I really hope that I did it justice um and like worked on it for months every day until you had to learn the Syrian accent yeah and I worked on it like for hours a day um, for the first few months, few weeks of the shoot. And then I continued to work on it every day with the dialect coach until we wrapped. We literally met every day, even on weekends, because I was so concerned and I was really bad at it at the beginning. And so by the time I started filming, I wanted it to feel like second nature. So we would talk in a Syrian dialect so that I wasn't just learning the lines, but that I actually had words in the back of my mind so that I could add things and change things and feel more fluid with it, which was his idea. Cause I was like, no, just teach, teach me the script. I just want to get the script perfect. And he was like, no, it's not going to feel real unless it actually is coming out of you authentically. And so I left Jack Ryan speaking like Syrian. I honestly, I think I still speak that way because I can't not think in that way because it was so drilled into my brain. So that's Shadi Al-Hilu, our dialect coach's fault, but um, he did an amazing job. Everyone in this show has a specific accent to where they're from. So my husband in the show is from Lebanon, and so he speaks in a Lebanese accent the whole show, and I thought that was really cool. Because usually when you watch shows that are American TV shows, like, the people aren't, aren't even Arab. They're, like, had learned Arabic for that role, and they're terrible. But it was really important to me to be, if I'm a major part of something to set the tone of what that the Arabic would sound like and what it would be. Well, I, I think uh, what I liked so much about the show was the, that everyone that played Arabs were, everyone was, like, I hadn't seen so many Arabs. Authentic, I know. <laughs> and that's, that's the casting director, April Webster. She found incredible Arab talent from around the world. A lot of our cast was from London and New York and LA and one of my children my son was from Lebanon um a lot of our cast was from Morocco Paris like she searched far and wide to find like the most authentic people and she really did and and the creators it was really important to them for this to feel like really really real um so they really had a high standard for that because I feel the same way like I watch it and I'm like there's everyone is Arab, like everyone. And it's such a cool feeling because that's rare. It was crazy because I'm watching this Amazon uh, series called Jack Ryan, but in so many ways I felt like I was watching like an Arab soap opera. <laughs> right? Well that's a, well that's what's amazing, is that like I remember seeing someone like on Twitter like be like, this is so annoying. Like 90% of this show is in Arabic, like wh- like without subtitles. And I was like, no, there are subtitles, but like, I just love it. That was like my favorite thing. I screenshot it because it made me really happy because I was like, yeah, it's actually like, it's kind of like watching Narcos. Like you're watching a show that is mostly in Arabic or at least half an hour. It's like 50% in Arabic, which is 
huge. That's yeah. so cool to me. Yeah. I love that part. I mean, yeah. I, I love the show in general. And even though I went into it thinking, ugh, another, you know, I was being terrorist, but I actually loved how they told that side of the story. Oh, thank you. Right? I, yeah. I just felt... I mean, I felt that too. And, and one thing is like, they really, like the creators are really special and it was really important to them to humanize and like have like real people on the other side and for it not to be good versus evil to it, for it to be really like a certain set of circumstances versus another set of circumstances and like what people do with that. I wanted to talk to you about this one scene in Jack Ryan where uh, it's like, you know, the intimate parts or was that, is that as an Arab woman ever difficult for you? Um, just because of where we come from, there's like such a stigma around sex and sexuality and doing that kind of bedroom scene. Do you carry some of that with you? Yeah. And honestly, in that moment, like she's making a decision to leave her husband and she's suddenly feeling so unsafe in a, in a relationship she felt so safe and he saved her life and suddenly she's in a moment where she doesn't recognize him and she feels scared and she's scared for herself and scared for her family so that fear and like the guilt and shame and all of those feelings that she's feeling that moment like I actually felt like that scene like I met Hanin like I felt like me and Hanin like became one person because that isn't something that we get to like express as Arab women like to really like to really show like this is how ashamed I am in that moment this is how terrified I am and like to really shiver and to really have like that look on my face at the end like those were as much Dina as they were Hanin like I wasn't acting and so um I felt like it was an opportunity to really bring that part of our world do you think, uh, as a Saudi actress, there are some things that are um, specifically challenging for you in your career and in whatever role that you take on? Well, I think there's a challenge when there's so little representation of just Arab actors, actresses in general, that when you are doing well, there's sometimes like a pressure of like you're representing everyone which is never my goal because I, it's one, it's impossible. And two, that doesn't interest me. Like I, I'm, my goal is not to represent everyone, but actually to just like tell stories as honestly as I can and like touch people and, um, hopefully change people's impressions of who we are and just let them know that we're human. And, um, hopefully me being as honest as I can, it's, just a reflection of the fact that like I can be where I'm from and be who I am and that I exist um, and that, that the characters I portray exist but that sometimes like I will stay up at night being like I'm, I'm upsetting people like because there's always a part of me that is like still attached to that people pleasing thing that I'm letting go of more and more um, but there's a part of me that's like I really want to make like you proud and like the people I grew up with proud and my family proud and then when I don't um, or I challenge that which is something that I can't help but do because I always pick what is important for the character before what is important for me Dina I don't care about like I don't I try and take like my ego out of it and my place in the world out of it as much as I can and just like really try and make decisions like that are, I think, the most powerful and most intimate and most, like, revealing of the character. And so 
That always has a risk factor because you're not gonna keep everyone happy. And sometimes when I'm making decisions that are challenging for people, there's like a feeling of like, oh, everyone's gonna give up on me and like think that I've like let them down, you know? And as opposed to like, I'm actually doing this because I feel like we need, we deserve a chance to be as free and as like um, true to characters as anyone else does. Like, why should we hold ourselves back and like portraying people in the way that we want to just because of where we come from? Like, that's that's what I'm always trying to like tread the line of. Um, and I always err, err on the side of like, I'm just gonna go for it because I think we deserve that. Even if we come from a culture that's more constrictive, you know, and just has, you know, different ideas of what is right and wrong for women. I feel like, I don't know, I, f I feel like abiding by those rules is just enabling them to never change. And I think you kind of have to take like 50 steps forward and scare people in order to like move the needle forward. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I, I want to go back to the comment where you said that sometimes you didn't want to tell people where you're from. Yeah. Is it is it a thing when you meet people, when they talk to you? Is it like, is that part of your identity like a thing? Well, it's interesting because I'm, so I'm um, Saudi, Palestinian, Norwegian, German, and Haitian. I'm half Arab and then half European and Haitian. But because I'm Arab, and in an industry where like Arab roles now are suddenly coming out, which is awesome. And I think it's like all my Arab friends are working, really. It's like a really good time for us. Um, that part of me was highlighted and I speak the language. And honestly, my identity is really wrapped up in being Arab because that's where I grew up. So my mannerisms, my culture, my world, like my friends, like I really do feel Arab, but I'm also very European. I've spent every time of my whole life in Europe. Like I in a way I feel like I come out, I present myself to the world in a more European way than I do anything else. I, I don't know by why, but maybe that's just, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a mixture, um, is what I'm trying to say. And so the Arab thing's interesting because we come from a part of the world that's in conflict a lot of the time and like in ways still growing. And so it moving to America, my, it was like, kind of I was scared to tell people that I was like Palestinian let's say because I was like nerve and like I'm admitting that and I'm not ha I'm not proud that I was scared to say that but growing up you're told that if you say you're a Palestinian in America like you will be like seen in a certain way and like be discriminated against and so I was very scared of that and like there were there have been moments that I have been and I've said that and I've like people have reacted in a bad way because of what's going on in you know Palestine um, and so that's something I just like stopped saying. And then I would just say I was from Dubai, to be honest. And then with Saudi, there was a moment a couple of months ago where like being Saudi was like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And then now with everything happening, like I say I'm Saudi and people like look at me different and don't like it, which is sad because it's like, it's a, it's, it's evolving. Like that part of the region is evolving and Saudi Arabia is evolving and to judge a person on like you know, they're part of the world or their their identity or where they're from is something we all do, I think, without really, like, knowing how to stop that. But it's also so limiting and it, it stops you from really getting to know someone and it stops you from actually seeing the beauty from a culture. Like, the fact that I exist and I'm from Saudi Arabia and from Palestine and from Dubai and, like, grew up there and 
is I think like that should be like focused on as well, as well as like the hard things, you know what I mean? Because I am a product of where we came from. Like I wouldn't be here and successful if I wasn't, you know, raised and born there. Um, it really had an effect on me and an impact on me. And I am like, I am not who I am despite where I came from. I am who I am because of where I come from. And that's something that I constantly try and tell people because they're like, wow, like you really escaped. And I'm like, no, no, I didn't escape. Like I didn't run away like in the middle of the night, like in a van, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I'm very like, my parents know what I'm doing. Like, they're amazing. I was talking to my mom on my way here. Like, my dad, I was talking to him yesterday. Like, they're so proud of me. And, like, I've challenged them. Don't get me wrong. Um, yet, they're, like, still so proud of me and stand behind me and love me so deeply. Like, I am who I am because of them. And I am who I am because of my brothers and because of, like, the world we came from. I like this question. Um, what would you want? Hopefully it's a very, 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 very long time from now. But what would you want the first two lines of your obituary to say? Oh, man. Um, like, she lived with a lot of love and abandon, I guess. Like, just, yeah, that she, like, loved deeply. I think that's maybe the most important. So, yeah, maybe she loved deeply and, like, had a lot of fun. <laughs> Anything else you think is important to add that I haven't asked you? No, I'm just, I'm like, just, this is so amazing to talk to you because it's, it's such a beautiful thing when like life brings you full circle, like back to someone from your childhood. It's really cool. So thank you. Dina is the lead in a play called Power Strip. So if you're in New York, catch her on stage between October 5 and November 17 at the Lincoln Center. The show Altered Carbon is coming out in the new year on Netflix. And in between all of this, Dina is also writing a television show with her Palestinian co-writer, Rila Selbik. This episode was produced by Dana Balut and myself, Hiba Fisher, with editorial support by Lina Mohammed and Alex Atak. Sound design by Mohammed Khayzat and fact-checking by Zaina Duwader. Our original sting was composed by Ramzi Bashur and El Empire is produced by the Kerning Cultures Network. A huge thank you, of course, to Dina for giving us her time today for this interview. All of our guests are extremely busy people, and so it means a lot to us that they trusted us with their time. Thank you, Dina. And next week on El Empire... We sold the company to eBay for a fraction of the initial offer for $140 million. You know, that was in 2001, and just uh, 12 years before that, I was under the bombs of Beirut. That's in one week. Lastly, if you're liking El Empire, please subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. Also, leave a rating and review on whatever podcast app you're listening to us from. It really helps boost our rankings so that other listeners can find out about us in the podcast libraries. Thanks for listening. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.